All right, we're waiting on general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas, who's going to join us uh, momentarily. Going to be interesting to hear his comments on uh, hopefully uh, give us a little bit of uh, some insight on kind of day it was for him overall. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're watching other teams, especially in your own division, and make some, some key moves. Yeah. Has to be a frustrating time when you can't just do the things you want to do. You know, it's not like everyone's out there just trying to, to make your team better. A uh, busy time, one would imagine. But sometimes, as we've seen, as history has told us, JB, sometimes the best move is not making a move at all. Yeah. Well, it's interesting looking at, you know, Florida and their commitment to Ben Sherratt and the, the, the price they paid for him, I think, was probably the, the most expensive deal at the deadline. Like, Ben Sherratt's a fine player. But you can get in pretty deep at this time of year and spend spend more than you're probably getting in return. Boy, I watched the Florida Panther team. They it's almost as if they feel like this is the year or bust. And yet, you know, we've seen some teams over uh, a salary cap era have multiple years of of taking a run at it, including the Tampa Bay Lightning before their two consecutive. Mm-hmm. Like they were fav- They were like teams that were supposed to win two and three years before they finally won. Yeah, and it reminds me of Washington, too, where you're a really good team for a long time and you keep taking runs at it. And, you know, the guy we're about to talk to, I think, is uh, has seen that, and that's why running this team back is probably what happened, right? You see teams try and try and try and eventually break through a similar-looking team. So um, that Florida team, obviously, still with Bobrovsky and Nett, not uh, not a perfect team, but there isn't many in the salary cap era. All right, joining us now, general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas. Uh, Kyle, first of all, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Um, I just want to start off by maybe asking you about the kind of day it was, or at least uh, the few days building towards today, and how at times is it is it emotional? I know it's your emotions versus what's practical. All the while watching maybe other teams make moves. So, how did that all play out mentally for you? Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Um, you know, for us, I think we we spend a lot of time. You know, for the first maybe twenty or so games of the season, really breaking down how our team uh, was progressing, how we matched up, and areas we wanted to address, and then really. Um, as trade conversations and such begin to pick up as they do, um, really begin to narrow our focus on, on the players that we were looking to acquire. And, um, you know, two of them happened to be on the same team in Seattle and Mark Giordano and, and Colin Blackwell. So um, we were able to make the deal with them as part of our plan. And, and, um, and, you know, we'd also had interest going back a while to Ilya Labushkin in Arizona. And, and then there was a fit there with Nick Ritchie uh, going the other way. So uh, I think we just stuck with our plan, obviously, uh, there's always a lot going on uh, around us. We're in a very difficult division, which I, I think is the best thing uh, for our group uh, as we continue to grow and mature. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you, I think if you get emotional, it's when I think you can make mistakes, and I've learned that from the past going back to my time in, in junior more so than here. Um, but I think you have to have a plan well thought out during the year and then try to execute it. Uh, to the best of your ability when you're up against competitions and trade talks and salary cap and so on and so forth. Did did the cap restrictions that you were dealing with have uh, did did that play a big factor on maybe the things that you did or maybe could have done? Uh, I think this year we had a little bit more flexibility. Actually, Nick, I think that the thing that was um, uh, for us one of the, the challenges was 
just the the players that we had who were injured and um you know you you want to protect against them being able to come back so you don't want to overspend and and for and and prevent them from coming back onto the roster in the regular season so um you know and on that being namely jake muzzin and being able to have jake return to the lineup when he's uh, when he's healthy and cleared to do so which he seems to be making progress towards so um, you know, if he were, you know, some of the, the teams that made some uh, larger scale moves are teams that have players that are definitely going to be out uh, in the long run. And for us, we just thought it was more important to give Jake the ability to come back and, and uh, get come back in in great form than it would be to, um, you know, use up all of the space that we're afforded with him on long-term injury. So that was really the, the thing that was the balance for us was improving the team as best we could while also keeping it flexible for our injured players to be able to return to the lineup. Kyle, a healthy Toronto Maple Leafs decor is uh, pretty darn good on the left side, a lot of available options. When you guys made the Giordano deal, what did you see as the, the, the best fit for him? Do you see him being re- reunited with Brody? Is he more likely to play less minutes? What, what did you have in mind when you acquired Giordano? Um, I think for us, I, I just wanted to be able to give the coaching staff as many options as possible, uh, Justin. I mean, it was, um, you know, f- with... with uh, Geo, we obviously know that he and TJ Brody have had a lot of success playing together before, and I think that's a luxury to have when you acquire a player, especially a defenseman that has played with one set partner for a long time. I, I, I think that's and, and had a lot of success together. So that that was, uh, you know, for us, we were evaluating Geo on his own, but knowing he can come in and, and sort of fit in with, with TJ is great. Now we have that in our back pocket. It'll be up to Sheldon and Dean Chanelth and the coaching staff to go through and figure out how they want to really configure it all. Um, you know, you know, TJ can play the right, you know, you've had, um, you know, we've had Ilya Labushkin and Timothy Lilligren uh, kind of ascend in, into, uh, into really good players for us. So um, for, for, for me, I was just trying to give the coaching staff as many options as possible. And as, as, uh, as you know, Sheldon will tinker uh, with it here down the stretch and, and uh, find the best possible combination of six heading into the playoffs. Is, is there any worry that, you know, he's, he, I know he's 38, he's not 40, but you got to kind of protect him a little bit here too as well. I know there's a pace of play that uh, some of your players have that uh, is amongst the best in the world here, but uh, where he fits in and, you know, can can he play a top four? Yeah, I think he he has been Nick for, you know, forever and, and certainly was in that role with Seattle this year and, of course, with Calgary. I think with all of our with all of our D, I think that was the, the the key for us was we don't just want to rely on the one pair. We want to be able to um, to spread the minutes around, and and um, we want to be able to build a group of six or seven uh, or deeper that that could really go out against anybody where we weren't just leaning heavily on on one set. So you know we've you know we know different pairs work uh, and have worked well in the past, whether that's been Morgan and TJ or Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall. Um, you know, or TJ and, and Mark Giordano. So, um, you know, we, we add into that mix, uh, you know, others in Lilligren and Labushkin and um, and the way that Timothy has come along this year and the element that Labushkin has brought to us since coming over from Arizona. And, you know, I think we I just want to be able to give the coaches, um, you know, six or seven guys uh, plus our, our younger guys in depth that they feel can go out and play so they didn't have to overload one certain pair. 
You know, Kyle, I think all the contenders have the, are in the same boat in that, you know, if your goaltending is not very good, it's not going to go very well. Obviously, there's been some question marks there for, for you guys the, you know, in 2022 here. Um, what do you see happening with the three guys who seem to be your goaltenders going forward? What's the best case scenario? How do you see the crease playing out going into game one of uh, Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, I think for me, Borny, the best way that it goes is that all three of the guys, I mean, particularly the two more established NHL goaltenders, just play to their the way they have in their career thus far. So Jack, I think it, the injury will be a, a bit of a blessing in disguise for him. Let's him uh, recharge and, and uh, put some work in with our coaching staff and and uh, really hone in on his game. When, when you're playing every other night or every three nights or two or three times a week as a goaltender and you have that on your mind as, as you do when you're healthy, I think the uh, the focus on practice and and, um, and goaltending session can take a backseat to the games as it should. So with him being hurt now and, and having to climb his way back in, I think it's really let him put in some good work with the coaching staff and the, the performance staff off the ice. And the thing about Jack that I'm, I'm always so encouraged about is he has a long record of always being able to to find uh, find his game when he has stretches that uh, maybe he's not as happy with uh, himself. And I know he's a little bit hard on himself, as everybody knows, but he's able to find himself and bounce back, and, and uh, especially when people doubt him. With Peter, I think we just need him to continue to put in the work and, and get back to the goaltender that he's been for his whole career before coming here. So you know, he's a 9-10 goalie in the NHL for you know nearly 300 games, and that's really just what we expect. And I think that, that starts in uh, his work with Steve Breer, our goaltending coach, uh, his work in, in the gym, and, and his work in practice. And uh, just earn his confidence there and be able to put that uh, into play on the ice. And obviously we then have, you know, we've got Shelgren, Wall, and, and Hutchinson uh, behind them. And Shelgren, it's a great story last week, came in and, and just solid and calm and uh, gave ourselves, uh, gave our team a chance um, in, in the games at home. And uh, we'll see how he responds from, from the game on Saturday in Nashville. But for us, you know, we, we feel confident in all three. You um, think you have to especially feel confident in, in your people when, when it's not going as well. It's easy to believe in them when things are going great all the time. But, I mean, these are, these are you know, particularly Campbell and Mrazic that have longer NHL track records, guys that have, that have played very well uh, in the league, uh, in Mrazic's case, for a very long time. So it's up to us to try to help them get, uh, get back to that level, and, and uh, we believe they will. We're speaking with Kyle Dubas, general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs post-trade deadline 2022 I, I got to ask you about uh, the signing that you had with uh, Harry Sateri, uh, gold medalist for Finland. He doesn't clear waivers. He gets picked up by Arizona. Is that something that you, you thought could happen? Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm watching this and I'm, I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, Kyle, honestly, if, if you're the general manager of Columbus and you sign this guy, does anybody even notice? I, I, I would love to say that it's just a, uh, uh, something that that's in your mind or, or something like that, Kipper. But I mean, we since I've started, since I've been in this job here, so going back to October 2018, we've had 11 players claimed on waivers, and the next closest team has been six. So I think there's certainly something to it. I, I think in this case, he's a goaltender. He'd come off a good season, obviously, you know, gold medal, won the gold medal as a starting goalie for Finland at the Olympics. I, I wasn't sure. We figured he would he would get through, and then. You know, this morning, just in talking with his agent and different calls that he was getting from teams, we kind of we kind of, we knew there was a risk, and there's always a risk. But um, you know, obviously, we were hoping that that would be the case and that he would slide through. But I think there were a number of teams that put claims in on him, and and uh, that's just the way it goes.
So we've been kicking around ideal rosters here and lineup configurations like everyone in Leaf Nation and following along closely. One of the names that interests us is uh, Matthew Nyes. Is there any interest on your guys' part as a, a player who could potentially join the team uh, for the stretch run? I think with, in Matthew's case, Borning will, um, you know, they, they have um, you know, their team at, at Minnesota, um, you know, they, they've got a, a big game on Friday night uh, in the, in the regionals against UMass, which, uh, which should be a great game between, between two really good programs. So our, our focus is just on, uh, we've got two players on Minnesota, um, just in, in having them enjoy the week and, and uh, get ready for, you know, a great opportunity at the NCAA tournament uh, in Worcester. Uh, so for us, that'll be our focus. We haven't had any discussions with, uh, with him um, or his family uh, about the path forward. He's at University of Minnesota and, and Bob Motzko is a great coach uh, that does a great job developing players. So uh, whatever they decide to do uh, will be fine with us, but our, our focus will be on uh, watching and enjoying his progress in the tournament. And then once it concludes, as we would with any uh, player that's either uh, professional in, in Europe or or a college player have a discussion about what their what their preferred path is forward and and then just uh, do our best to develop them that way. So he's obviously had a great season, um, you know, right after the draft at the World Junior Summer Showcase, and then um, a great freshman year at Minnesota World Juniors and then Olympics, and then continuing a strong play with Minnesota. So obviously, I understand the the questions and the excitement about him, but um, seems like a, a great. A uh, young man, uh, kudos to our, our amateur scouting staff um, on, on that one. And we'll look forward to, uh, to sitting down with him after their season is over, but supporting them in whatever they decide to do. Um, if that's, you know, they've obviously got three more years of eligibility um, with Coach, uh, Coach Motzko in, uh, in Minnesota or, uh, or deciding to turn pro. Uh, we heard from you uh, just prior to the outdoor game in Hamilton, and you had a game plan, uh, not not wanting to maybe uh, give up a a good portion of, uh, of of your future. You stuck with that, so maybe kudos to you. But I imagine that Matthew's name came up <laughs> rather a few times in the last twenty four forty eight hours. Uh, yes, I mean, and I think that's the best. I mean, I think you always have your internal, um, slightly biased view of your prospects, and I I think that. Uh, the best indicator is is um, which prospects teams are asking for in terms of their value, and um, yeah, he's. I think the way that he's played, and I think the stage that he's played on at the Olympics and then at Minnesota in the Big Ten has certainly um, caught a lot of attention. So we're we're very happy with him as a draft pick, and and um, excited to see him here this week in the tournament. While we're kicking around the roles of different guys, where do you see uh, Colin Blackwell fitting into the the Leafs forward core? Uh, the thing Warner we like about Colin is is just his you know as he's shown in his career is, is is the ability to kind of move around the lineup and be be very versatile. Um, obviously, I think he's known for his competitiveness and tenacity on the forecheck and um, his work ethic. Uh, but to me, the, the thing that really made us want to go out and get Colin and bring him to Toronto is the fact that, yes, he brings all of those things and uh, can play both special teams, can play both wing positions, but uh, if he's up in the lineup, he can also make plays. He can drive the puck through the neutral zone, can make plays on entry, um, can beat people one-on-one with the puck when he has to. And um, just adding a player like that with, with his level of competitiveness that also has that ability to make plays was something that was uh, was important to us. And, and um I'll leave that that up to Sheldon in terms of where he may may best fit. Um, 
but I think the, the versatility that he has to go up and down the lineup was what, uh, what really uh, separated him from the others in that, you know, in terms of that competitiveness, tenacity bucket that we were looking at. Just want to ask you about Kasha. Certainly uh, the reports are, are favorable after watching him leave the ice in Nashville. And I'm just wondering, Kyle, I mean, he's, he's such a, a great player when he's in there for you, but the, sure. the, he has had some bad luck over his career. And I'm just wondering if, if there's a conversation to be had with him in terms of what, what he might be doing that's leaving himself vulnerable, or is, is it just bad luck? Um, I, I think... Anytime you have a player, uh, Nick, that that has that sort of history, I think you're you always. I mean, and especially a player of his caliber, um, you know, you always want to try to help him as as best you can. I think a little of it is is certainly bad luck. You know, unfortunately, another part of it is just how hard he plays every shift and in, in every game, and you know, he's willing to put it on the line to try to win pucks or maintain possessions and. Um, you know, I, I, it's always tough when, when you have a player like that, that, you know, you, you have your, you know, obviously your job is managing the team and trying to get the team into a good spot, but you know, they, these are people that mean a lot to you and you never want to see anybody be injured, especially not a person that, that has a, um, a more extensive history than others. Uh, and so for us, it's, it's always trying to just continue to, to have our players become stronger and, and just, I think in this case here, more attentive to contact. And, you know, he's, he's never probably going to shy away from it because of the type of player that he is. But if we can arm him to protect himself a little bit better, that, that would be a, a win for us and for him. Kyle, last one for me. And just want to say thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Um, just wanted to follow up on uh, Nick Robertson, his time with the Leafs, uh, and a little bit of uh, Lilligren as well. How much during sure. the season is the usage of these guys, I don't want to say experimental, but just, uh, you know, for the purposes of taking a look more more so than this gives us the chance to win a hockey game tonight? Um, I think in Robertson's case, uh, you know, this this last stretch, we viewed it as an opportunity to give him a really good solid run playing all throughout our lineup and measure that against where he was last season when he came up around a similar, I mean, I know last year's season was shortened, but came up at a similar time later in the year as he returned from his knee injury. And um, I think this time we saw significant growth in his game, particularly in his playmaking. I think like any 20-year-old, uh, he needs to continue to get stronger and be able to, to maintain his balance and, and skating through contact. Uh, but the thing that impressed us uh, this time um, in terms of his improvement was just in his playmaking, his ability to use his teammates and then slide to get open, use his shot. Obviously he had a very nice goal against Vancouver. So I think, you know, it's, you can, there's so many different ways you can go about it, leave somebody with the Marlies for a long time and call them up when they're ready or, or bring them up and measure where they're at versus uh, where they were at the previous time and use and, and have that, uh, measures serve as, as the way that they're going to develop when they go back down. So that's, that's what we've elected to do in his case. In Lilligren's case, he's just continually earned more and more throughout the year. Thought, you know, the game against Car- uh, Carolina last week was very instructive of, of the player. He's become very strong on the puck, um, you know, lim- reducing mistakes more and more as, as time goes on for a young defenseman, able to play against other teams, good players. And um, he's come a long way in his time uh, with the organization. This is his fifth season here uh, with the team and he's still only 22 um, but he's been with with the organization every day because he came right to the Marlies at 18 so for him I think he just continues to get better shows he can play up and down the uh, up and down the defense core and um, and be a, a big value for us so we're very happy with with his progress uh, here especially 
uh, over this season where he's continued to get better and better at the NHL level. One more for me here, Kyle, and I know we're running out of time here, but uh, I want to love your thoughts on this, and that is the use of long-term IR, and I hate it. I hate watching a team win a Stanley Cup and have $10, $12 million over the cap, and I'm not here to suggest that it's not legit. I know guys get hurt. I played the game. It's all can be legit, Mm -hmm. but were you tempted to go to maybe a Muzzin or a Sandine in the last 24, 48 hours and say, hey, guys, get ready for the playoffs. I'm going to use this and get better. Yeah, I I can't speak for the other teams, Nick, but I I can share with you our thought process uh, here with with Jake Muzzin, which was, you know, he'd had two concussions in in relative short order. Um, And we just felt that in the end, sure, we could have used this space and, you know, really taken the long route to him coming back, and, and maybe that would be in the playoffs. Maybe it wouldn't. But our view of it was that, for, especially for a player like Jake and the style that he plays and the assignments that we're going to ask of him, penalty killing, you know, playing against the other team's best players every night, that it wouldn't have put him in a great spot to just drop him in, in the playoffs and that we needed to make sure that we were flexible enough to have the space to bring him back in the regular season and, and allow him to find his game after being off for um, – Really, I think he's been off for uh, from seven of the last nine weeks with injury. So that was the way that, that we looked at it. I think the other teams that have had guys on the full season, you know, they, they have to play the full season without those players or, or a very long stretch without them. And, and as some teams have shown in the past, they can weather it. And other teams, including when, when we've been in LTI in season, uh, it, it can be tough uh, because the player is, is not eligible to come back for at least 24 days. And whenever you're missing a top player, player for that long, it, it is difficult. And um, like I said, I can only speak to, to the way we've elected to go through it now, which was to ensure that, that uh, Jake could come back uh, into our lineup before the playoffs. Wish you all the best with your moves today, Kyle. Thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes with us. Really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Have a good night, guys. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle Dubas, General Manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, you're watching Vegas do it. You watch Tampa Bay do it. You're, you watch, look at Colorado. You think they get uh, uh, Lekkonen uh, Lek- today if, if they don't uh, put uh, Landis Cog on long-term mm. IR? It is an inter- interesting point, though, because not, e- not only do you have to have a player get hurt around the right time, you also have to be good enough to be without a top guy for a long stretch of the season, which the Avs are, Tampa Bay was. Vegas thought they were. I'm not sure Vegas is good enough. And now, you know, Toronto making the decision to play their guys. I, I think it's a smart move to, to try to get Muzzin back. Sammy, he didn't sell the farm. A lot of Leaf fans would have said, go big or go home. But Kyle didn't go down that path. And something that you said earlier, which uh, I respect saying that going down with the ship sort of thing. And was that you born? Or was no, that it was me. Okay, well, it was me. all the good stuff. One hundred percent. No, but I, 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 I do respect that. The one thing, Kyle is loyal, and he's got conviction, and he believes in what he's doing. Like I said, he doubled down and tripled down on it. And he may still get the last laugh. We'll have to watch this thing play out. I thought all of his answers uh, very good. The one that stood out to me was him dying to not say, like, they're trying to let Nyes have his season and not have him hear the GM of the Maple Leafs go on, you know, the biggest Leafs radio show and the fan here and say, yeah, he's going to come play in the NHL. Like, they want to keep his focus where he's at. I'll Mm -hmm. give you guys a, a case each of little Buddha cocktails, but not you. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you, and then you give it to my wife. You'll give it to your wife. Yeah.
if Matthew Nyes is not on a line with Tavares between now and the end of the year. <laughs> wow. Uh, you got a lot of little Buddha around. How about some money? <laughs> I think it's shaping up. I, I think this guy's got enough yeah. power in his game to warrant a look-see. I think so, too. Um, and, and I respect Kyle for not putting the pressure on the kid to say in the NHL's right around the corner for him. So focus on where you're at. Okay, no word of a lie. That was the fastest show we've ever done. I honestly cannot believe it is 4.54. That's two hours. I guess. Jam packed. <laughs> And we lost Harry Sateri Carey to Arizona. God, God I would have loved to use that name. And I'm, we can, I'm, we're, we're still we're, using we're the We're doing updates on Harry Carey Sateri. Right, we're following Sateri we season are. from now on. W- without a doubt. Our <laughs> thanks to PJ Stock for joining us. He had a real busy day on Sportsnet's trade deadline show. We're glad he came along. Justin, always great, pal. Yeah, thanks, buddy. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us on Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.